Okay, guys, let's stand up. Let's pray. We're going to ask the, the Spirit of God to speak to us because if we don't want to hear his voice, we're not going to hear it. And it doesn't matter how much I talk or how loud I talk or how funny I am, you guys are not going to hear from God unless you want to hear from him. So let's ask him right now to speak to us. Father, would you speak to us in a way that we can understand tonight and that nothing would get in the way of the message that you want to speak to these people at the Cornerstone and that the things that happen here tonight would be life-changing and healing for the people who are here. And the result of that would be that the campus and the world would know your goodness. And so would you speak through me everything that you want to say and that the words of my mouth, and the, the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. Oh, God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, guys, um, I want to remind you about what Jesus was really excited about. You guys have heard of this place called Caesarea Philippi in Israel? Has anybody heard of Caesarea Philippi? Maybe? Okay. If you guys um, read the book of Matthew, there's a time that Jesus is accessorized Philippi. Caesarea Philippi is called Banias. It's a place where they worship the, the false god Pan. Is it Pan? Is that right? And, uh, and there were altars set up to all these gods. And one time Jesus is there with his disciples, and he's, like, he's asking his, these guys that he's training to do world-changing ministry. He asked them, so who do you guys, who do, the, who do you guys hear that the people are saying that I am? And so they, they give a couple different answers. But Peter finally says, we, we know who you are. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, he gets really excited. He's like, that's right, Peter. That's right. And you are going to be a, a pillar in the church. And upon you, I'm going to build my church. Now, he's 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 calls Peter a rock, because that's, that's Peter's name. That's what Peter's name is. But then he says this really fascinating thing. He says, and the gates of hell are not going to be able to prevail against you. In other words, the ch- or against the church. So the church is going to be so strong. That means the people of God. You guys are the church of Jesus. And that there's nothing in this world that can stand against the things that God is doing through the people at the cornerstone. There's no government. There's no satanic power. There's no lie. There's not even hell that can stand against the things that God wants to do through, through his church. So, we, uh, so if we fast forward a little bit from that day, Jesus is put to death. He rises again. He teaches his disciples for another 40 days. He ascends into heaven. But before he ascends into heaven, he promises the Holy Spirit would come upon them in power so that they could continue the mission of building his kingdom on this planet. And so what we've been studying in the past, what, four or five weeks, Six weeks is, uh, the, is the beginning of this church, the beginning of this army of people that would be an unstoppable force in accomplishing God's purpose in the world. And so he sends his Holy Spirit on them. And so we're picking it up tonight in Acts 3, finding out what happens after 3,000 people get saved and change the, the number of people who are a part of the church of Jesus from 120 to 3,120. So there's just just explosion of people who turn to Jesus. So Acts 3. Did anybody need a Bible? Mr. Matthew has Bibles right here. If you guys need a Bible, just ask him. And if you, if you, if you don't have a Bible, we're gonna, we want to give you one. Let me just Okay. Acts 3, verse 1. One day, P- 
Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, why are they going to the temple? They're going to pray. Do you remember what's happened in the temple we talked about before? What's been happening in the temple? What's that? Well, not, yeah, they had some persecution. They had some pushback. But, but remember, 3,000 people become believers. And where do they meet? They just kind of take over the temple. I mean, they're meeting in the temple all the time. So much so that the, 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 the people who haven't come, become believers don't know what to do with them. So they're going to the temple to pray at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, a man who was crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. So this is the name of a temple gate where he was put every day to beg from those who were going to the temple courts. When he saw, so this beggar guy, who's lame, he saw Peter and John about to enter. He asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Okay, what we're going to read about today, what we're going to study about today is about this healing that takes place f- for this guy who isn't able to walk. But first, here's what I want you guys to do. If you get your own Bible, I want you to circle these words or write in your notes, write the, these words one day or one day in th- at 3 p.m. Now, what's so special about that day? What's so special about that hour at 3 p.m.? You know what? Nothing. There's nothing all that special about this day or this hour. I mean, this is same old, same old business as usual kind of day. Peter and John were doing their regular thing. The beggar's doing his regular thing. The people that carry him to the temple to beg, they're doing their regular thing. And the crowds that are coming in and out of the temple courtyards, they're doing their regular thing. But there's one more person who's doing his regular thing. And that's God. Because God's regular thing is to take people who are doing their regular thing and put them together so that powerful things happen. And this is a, a divine appointment that God is ready to do all the time. God's regular thing is to bring people together so that people who are the equivalent of being crippled for life experience the life-healing power of Jesus. Here's what I want you guys to catch. There are people in your lives who are sitting on the threshold of the temple watching crowds go by wishing that somebody would give them something that they think that they need. And they're just one encounter away from having their life changed. And I want to see that here. So how long has this guy been sitting at the temple, Megan? Doesn't say how old he is, does it? But it says he's doing this every day. Every day. For how long has he been doing this? I mean, he's got to be doing this for at least the past couple months. I mean, do you think that he wasn't there when Jesus was in the temple teaching? Sure he was. He was there when he was in the temple teaching. And here's, there's these 3,120 people who have now become believers. And where do they meet? They're meeting in the temple courts all the time. In and out of the temple courts. They've got, they've got people who, are, who claim the name of Jesus walking by this guy all the time. So why today? Why something happens this day? Why, why didn't it happen a week earlier? Why didn't it happen? I mean... Why did, it, why, why did somebody else do this already? Why is this guy still sitting there not healed? Could this, let me ask you guys this, could this have happened a week earlier? Sure. Let me ask you guys, could this not have happened at all? Sure. If it hadn't happened at all, you guys wouldn't be, we, we, we'd be what would we be talking about tonight? I guess we'd be in chapter five, chapter four, right? Okay. It, it, it would have happened if Peter and John 
hadn't taken the time, hadn't taken the time to respond to this guy who was in need on that day. Here's my point, guys. I want you to listen to me. There are people all around you who are looking for help. Today is the day of salvation. They're only one step away from getting healing power from the Holy Spirit. If the people in this room, if you guys will do for those people what Peter and John are about to do for this guy who really, you know, he's just asking for some money. He's asking for money, but they got something more than what he understands that he needs. Today is the day of salvation for this guy. And guys, there's just, just before the merge, I spent about an hour over on, on the campus because I'm thinking, I just want to, I just want to walk through the campus again. I do this a couple times a week, thinking about that the people that are just waiting over there for somebody to invite them into community with Jesus. Now I talked to several people over there just now. Some of them I'd never met before. Some of them approached me. One girl named Amy, she's like, hey, you're Kiana's dad, right? <laughs> I said, yeah, how do you know Kiana? She said, I went to high school with her. I said, how do you know I was her dad? She said, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, well, you're smart. I said, why don't you come to the cornerstone and be a part of what God's doing over there? She said, okay. And I said, besides, we got coffee. So she might come. Her name's Amy. And she actually invited her friend Robert. So who knows? Because there are people who are waiting for your invitation. Sitting there. Just, just think about it. It's the same people every day. Think about this. Who did you... How many classes did you have today? What was your earliest class today? What? Did you guys go to class today? Who went to class today? Okay, what was your earliest class? 9.30. Okay, hey, Ian. Ian went at 8. Okay, let me ask you this. Who was sitting on your right side? Who was sitting on your left side? Okay, do you know? Who's sitting on your right side? Tell me your name. Okay, forget the right side. Who is sitting on your left side? Okay, guys. Do you have their phone number? I know you girls are going like, I am not getting the guys' phone number. Guys, here, here's what I want to um, say. Is that day after day after day, this guy sat in the temple courts wishing for, a, for an injection of help in his life. And he didn't get it until this day because it was Peter and John who responded to him. So the person that's sitting on your right side in your class today, the person that's sitting on your left side in your class today, why not them? Why not give them what somebody gave you? Why not? Oh, let's talk a little more about this guy. What do we know about this guy? He's a beggar. Okay, good. What else? He's been lame from birth. That's verse 2, right? Now a man crippled from birth. Okay, what else? He's being carried. Why is he being carried? Because why? He wanted to beg there. He wanted to beg there. Was he owned by a group of people that are making him beg there so they can collect the money? Like this happens to so many parts of the world. I don't know. There's so many of those kids that, that are holding their hands up to your windows in third world countries where I've been. You think they're getting the money? They're owned by somebody who's collecting the money. So I don't know. But here's what I want you guys to think about. When, when, we, when we read about this guy, he is crippled from birth. So I, I just want to talk a little bit about what, why, why is it that God allows somebody to be crippled from birth? I mean, is that, is that not 
fair or what? I mean, that's, it's not the way it feels. Like, why, why should some people be crippled from birth? And what I'd like to be able to do is, is open up the Bible and explain everything to you. But the truth is, there's so much that the Bible doesn't tell us about why some people end up being crippled from birth or blind from birth or deaf from birth or have a heart condition from birth, or have some type of genetic condition from birth. We just went to one of Ian's classmates, mother's, Ian's classmate, my 10-year-old who's here, his mother, his classmate's mother passed away last week. So we were at the funeral on, on Saturday because of a genetic defect from birth. And his friend, who's 10 years old, she's got the same genetic defect. So she was there at the funeral. I'm thinking, what is she thinking? That she was born with something that's probably not going to let her live past 35 years old. That's how old her mom was when she died. And she didn't ask me what the Bible says about that because the truth is I don't understand it. The Bible explains to us in general why there's sickness and pain and hurt and death. But it doesn't very often give us very much specifics about why, why certain people have the sicknesses or the pain or the defects that they have. And that bothers us. It bothers us and it bothers me because what I want to do is I want to I want people to explain the why questions. When people are asking, why did this happen? Why is it that my baby died? Why is it that my baby was born blind or with a, with a, a heart defect? It bothers me that I don't have those answers and it bothers me that I'm not able to explain why a good God would allow this kind of thing to happen. I don't know. I don't know, but there are some things that this is what I want you guys to get. And I, I, th I think there's a good time to teach over this as we, we're studying about a guy who's lame from birth. There's some things that we do know that the Bible teaches us. So I want you guys, if you're taking notes, write this. You guys should be taking notes. Write this down. Here's some things that we do know. We don't know everything, but God does. And he shares some of these things with us. So first of all, here's one thing that we do know. We do know. In regards to this question, why someone would be blind or lame or deaf from birth, we do, know, we do know this, that God has a good plan for every person. I didn't say an easy plan. Because an easy plan and a good plan are not the same things. And you guys who know that God's got a good plan for your life know that it's not easy. Because you guys have had hard situations. So you know that good doesn't mean easy. So God doesn't have an easy plan for every person's life but he's got a good plan for every person's life and we see this in john 9 remember in john 9 you guys can look at it or you can put it up here if you want john 9 verse 1 as he went along as jesus went along he meets a guy who's been blind from birth and his disciples ask they're like okay jesus is this guy blind from birth because his parents sin or was it because of a sin that he was going to commit even, that God knew about? So he, gave him, he made him blind as a punishment for a sin that he committed after he was born. Do you guys understand? He's like, was it this own guy's sin that caused him to be blind? And Jesus responds. He's like, guys, let me teach you. Neither this man sinned nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Guys, here's the deal. God has a plan. For the blind guy, for the lame guy, for the person, for the baby who's got a heart condition, and God's got a plan for you. God's plan is good, even if it's not easy. Okay, so that's one thing we know. We know that all through the Bible. 
Second thing that we know for sure is that this life is only an instant in light of eternity. In light of an eternity that is before us. In other words, the story's not over. The story's not over for the blind person. The story's not over for the lame person. The story's not over for you. And guys, a verse that's worth memorizing is from 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Because this is true, it says, therefore, we do not lose heart. I wonder if you could put that up there. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. We do not lose heart. We don't give up. We don't despair. Though outwardly, we're wasting away. We had tough times, bad situations, hard situations that we're facing. Outwardly, we're wasting away, yet inwardly, we, all these people at the Cornerstone, all you guys, you're being renewed day by day for these, look what, he call, what Paul calls this, these light and momentary troubles. Like, this is, this is going to be over. This is a light, light trouble in compared to what's coming, the good stuff that's coming. A momentary trouble. This light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal, an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. In order to we could somehow weigh the, the weight of the hard times compared to the weight of the good times that are coming, there's no comparison. The good stuff that's ahead is so great, so much greater than anything that we're going through right now. And so what do we do? Verse 18, so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, not all this stuff that, we're, that, that, that everybody else got their eyes on. So not, we don't fix our eyes on what is seen, but we fix our eyes on what is unseen. For what is seen, all this stuff that we see right now, is temporary. But the stuff that's unseen, that we've seen in our hearts, that we know is coming, this hope that we have, it's eternal. And it goes on and on and on and on. So whatever you're going through now, if you're, if you're the guy who's got the equivalent of being born lame or being born blind, or being born deaf, or whatever the situation is, guess what? This is not the end of the story. We got good stuff coming. And we're going to focus our, focus our eyes on that stuff. Not on just the fact that your, that your boss didn't like you today. Or just because you didn't get an A-plus on the test. Man, this is, the way we respond is achieving for us an eternal glory. Okay? So, you guys got this? God has a good plan for every one of you. This is temporary, and good stuff is coming. Third thing that I want you guys to remember in regards to the question of why some people are born with bad stuff is that God invites us to trust him no matter what the current situation is. Whatever the current situation is, the invitation from God is, you can trust me. I got you. I got you covered. You don't understand it. You don't have to understand it. Isn't that what he said to Job? Remember Job whining and whining and whining about why God was being unfair to him? And, and you remember that God never explained to Job the full story? We get to see the full story. We're, we open it up and we get to see behind the scene, the curtain as to what's going on. But Job never gets to understand what's going on. He's, he's like, what was that all about? Do you guys know the story? And God comes to Job and he's telling Job, who do you think you are to question me? All you got to do, Job, all you got to do, Steve, all you got to do, you people at the Cornerstone, is trust me. Because Isaiah, there's a verse in Isaiah 49, 23, second part of that verse, so powerful. It says, those who hope in me 
will never be disappointed. Let me just say that again. Those who hope in me, God says, will never be disappointed. Do you guys hear that? Therefore, if you're disappointed, it's proof of what? That your hope is in something other than him. Those who hope in me, God says, will never be disappointed. Okay, let's look at, in verse 4, I just want to mention one more thing here. They look at this guy. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. This is what I want you guys to write down in regards to this. You can't help the person you don't see. Here's this guy begging, begging, begging. People were walking past him. 3,120 Christians at this point. They're walking past back and forth. But they look at this guy. They see this guy. They see his condition. And once again, I'm just asking you to see the conditions of every person that's around you. Whether they've been born with a lame foot or whether they just haven't had a bad day. You guys see them. So look what happens in verse 6. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. Sounds like the people of Cornerstone. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly, instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple called temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, I know that what some of you guys are, at, are thinking. You're thinking, why don't you do that now? Why did, we read about this in the Bible. When I was across the street this afternoon, Guy came by in a wheelchair. I was just, I was thinking about what we're going to be talking about tonight. I'm like, God, why not, why not, why not heal that guy? Why not now? So I want to give you two, two answers to that question. Why not now? Okay. Why not now? First of all, look what Peter says. He's a guy asked for money, right? Peter answers by saying, don't got none. Sorry, don't got it. Now, why don't, why don't Peter and John have any money? What's that? Because why? What's that? Because they go to the course and wrong. That's <laughs> no seriously. Why don't they have any money? What's that? They're giving everything away. But think back. I mean, these guys should be businessmen, right? Well, what did he say? Got to talk loud. Got to sit close so I can hear you. What? They were fishermen, and they had boats. And they, and they pulled those boats up on the shore. Do you guys remember this in Luke 4? We talked about this a, a while back. They pulled their boats up on the shore. They parked their boats, and they forsake everything, and they go follow Jesus. They sacrifice to build this kingdom that Jesus is building. They've abandoned their businesses to build a kingdom. Now, let me ask you guys this. Is there a connection? Think hard here. Is there a connection between Peter and John not having any money and this guy getting healed. Okay? Or maybe a better way to ask it is, do you think that it's possible that there is a proportionate relationship or a correlation between the amount of sacrifice and the power of God to heal? What's that? Dependence of, dependence of Jesus. Exactly. 
Okay, last Friday, um, some of you guys were up in the room up there with me. I invited my friend Steve Henry to come and meet with Sudanshu and Logan, who are planning to move to India, and he came to meet with them to talk about businesses' missions and how to make money on the, uh, on the other side of the world as you're doing ministry. And when I introduced uh, Steve Henry, who's one of my richest friends, by the way, out, out on the front porch to, um, to Logan and Sudanshu, one of the first things that he said is, we don't need more missionaries. We need more businessmen to fund the missionaries that we already have. And that sounds pretty good. And what do you guys think about that? Some of you guys look happy because you're like, yeah, I'd like somebody to fund me so I can do mission work. Okay, I do agree that we need people to fund mission work. But notice, what I want you guys to notice is that Jesus' search for 12 guys who are going to be his instruments of bringing in his kingdom in this world, the people that he was recruiting to change the world, he looked for, the guys that he was looking for, it was, had everything to do with a willingness to sacrifice and not just a willingness to go through a, a program to learn how to fund missions, okay? Because I think Jesus was convinced that his kingdom building work would be done not so much through money, but with people who didn't care whether they had money or not. And as I think about the kinds of things that we're trying to do here at the Cornerstone and around the world, I'm always thinking about how we can fund it. And I'm not just thinking about how we get a couple thousand dollars to send somebody on a two-week mission trip. I'm thinking about how do we, how do we over, over the next 27 years of my life, find $200 million to build schools around the world and fund thousands of young people who are willing to give their lives for missions. I'm thinking about that all the time. And so I think Stephen Rui is right in a way. But here's my problem. Here's the problem, guys. My personal problem is this. The more money that I've had available to me, the quicker I am to look for a non-God-sized solution to the problems that are in front of me. The, more, the quicker I am to look for a solution that is not miraculous. And if it was me walking up the temple steps and the blind beggar looking at me going, can I have some money? It would have, it's easy to give the guy some cash. But you know what I've been, I would have been thinking? I would have been thinking, I wonder if we can open a d discipleship house at the Cornerstone for lame people. I wonder if we can find a house. Or I'd be thinking, I wonder if we can hire an intern who's going to spend his time trying to reach out to, to lame people. That's right. <laughs> or I'd be thinking, I wonder, if, I wonder if we can put some money together to buy wheelchairs. Do you guys understand? And those things are good. I'm willing to spend my money on ministry stuff. I'm willing to spend my resources sacrificially. The problem is that the great thing about not having any resources at all, not having a way to hire the intern, and not having a way to buy the, the wheelchairs, not having a way to buy the discipleship house, is that we come to God with desperation, like, God, if you don't come through in this situation, there is no way that we're going to find a solution. So you've got to come through. And that's why. Guys, think about it. Do you remember when Jesus says, blessed are the poor? Remember? Why are the poor blessed? Because they, they, uh, they need Jesus and they understand it. We all need Jesus, but when we get in trouble, we look for our credit cards. And we bypass the opportunity to see him do miracles. What I think Jesus intended for us and for his church, this unstoppable force in building his kingdom, was, yeah, we should try to make money. 
And the people at the corner store, I hope you guys make a lot of it. If you're going to work 40 hours a week, then make 80 bucks an hour instead of 10 bucks an hour. Do it. But do it for the purpose of sacrifice and never letting God off the hook to not do the miracles that he wants to do simply because you got the money to do it another way. I think the reason that we see more miracles in poorer countries is because here in America, every time we got a problem, we call the ambulance or call the police department or get our credit card out, and we bypass God. We bypass the opportunity for God to do a miracle, and then we come to this last resort like, wow, nothing else worked. God, would you please do a miracle here? Isn't that what we do? You guys have heard of Thomas Aquinas, right? It's not a guy at UTA. It's a guy who used to live a long time ago. And when he was with Pope Innocent II, and he's brought into the Vatican, and, he, and the, the Pope shows him the treasures of the Vatican, gold and silver, money, lots of money. And the Pope says to Thomas Aquinas, this famous theologian from 1,000 years back, he says, no longer can the church say silver and gold have I none. And without, without any hesitation at all, Thomas Aquinas said, and neither can we therefore say, pick up your mat and walk. Because Thomas Aquinas understood that we've bypassed the power of the Holy Spirit by depending on money rather than God. In 2011, when I was in my, when I went, got to the, my village in the Philippines, I brought my friend, Pastor Waxer from uh, church in Hawaii with me. And we got, we got to the village, and we're coming through the last river. We walk through the river, and we walk up to the village. You see our, our f- first person from my village, and, he, and the guy that meets us says, um, says so, named one of the people and says, your friend's child just died. I'm like, what do you mean? They just died, just like in the past, past few minutes. So we get there as everybody's crying, and little boy, th- um, th- three-and-a-half-year-old boy named Abraham, and we're holding that little baby. And what it was is measles. There's a measles outbreak happening as we walk into the village. And the last time there was a measles outbreak, I think there were 32 of the Agda kids that had died. But in the meantime, since that happened to this time, the Agda people have turned to Jesus. So what did they do? They prayed and prayed. And I've got video of them that I was just watching this afternoon as I was preparing for this. Think about how, how passionately they prayed. And you know what? Their prayers were desperate. God, if you don't come through, our babies are going to die from measles. And not one baby died except for that first baby because we prayed, because they prayed. Because that's the kind, they expect that God is going to come through because if he doesn't come through, there is no other way. So there is a correlation between the miracles of God and the money that we got in our pocket. Because as I think about you, I do want you to make lots of money. I do want Steve Henry to teach you guys how to make money. But what I want more than that is that you guys get the experience of being desperate for God, so desperate for God that you don't let him off the hook. Say, God, you are my father. You promised that you provide everything I need. And if you don't come through, we die. It's a great place to be. I love it. And those of you that have been with me overseas, it's part of the, the, the thrill of being there. It's like, I don't know where we're sleeping tonight. I don't know what we're eating. I don't know how we're going to make this work. So, God, we depend on you. What a great way to live. Okay, I said, I was answering the question about why God doesn't do those kind of miracles anymore. That was the first part of the question. 
That, that was the first part of the answer. Second part of the answer is he does. He does do these things. His business of healing people is not over. In fact, a few weeks back, I, got, I was the pastor on call at Grace, and I got a, a message from the church office saying, hey, can you call and check on Zoe because she's been uh, in bed all this time. She can't, she, can't even, she can't even walk. She can't even get up. And so that was probably three, four weeks ago. Sunday, she was at church in a wheelchair. Praise God. Sunday morning. Sunday night, we had that, 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 that meeting, that prayer meeting. She came back in the wheelchair. And something happened. So Shoshana started it, right? Shoshana started praying for us. So why don't you come and tell us what happened? Well, all glory to God because he's the one who did it. But um, on Sunday night, I was just worshiping, and Pastor Gary was praying over the ministry team before they were going to go out and pray for people. And so he invited anyone who wanted prayer to come to the front, to the altar, or stand out on the side on the aisles, and people that were ready to pray would go there and pray for them. Well, I was just so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. And I couldn't help myself. I started walking around and I saw Zoe on the side and she wasn't like interested in being prayed for because she wasn't like directly out in the aisle. But I felt like the Lord wanted me to pray for her. So as I was walking there, um, I grabbed Daniel and I was like, come on, let's go pray for Zoe. And he's like, no, we're not supposed to because we're not, you know, the people that are supposed to be praying for them. And I was like, well, I'm still praying. <laughs> I'm determined. And so um, I went there to pray for Zoe, and my mom was there. Um, she saw me, and she's like, what is Shoshana doing? <laughs> and so um, we laid our hands on Zoe, and we were just praying, um, just like, Lord, you know, come and heal Zoe's body. We command her hips to be healed because she had a tear in her hips, both of her hips, and she had fallen and had ripped her hip ligament even more. She was going to need surgery. The doctor originally said she could just rest and, like, you know, stay in a wheelchair and hopefully her hips would be healed. But instead, she was definitely going to need surgery. And she'd been like this for about a month and a half. And so my mom was asking her questions like, you know, what are your fears? Do you have any fears about the future and all these things? And we were just, you know, uh, praying the truth over her, praying scripture over her. And I asked her one question. I said, what is your greatest desire? And she's like, I just want to be able to dance again. And I was like, man, I can relate to that because I'm a fellow dancer too. I love to dance. And so I was like, okay, we're going to pray again. So we continue praying. And um, then I saw Matt walking around and I was like, Matt, come here. And so Matt comes and he um, was praying with us. And after I'd finished praying, he grabs Zoe's hands and he says, get up and walk. And Zoe stands up and Matt walks with her around. And before she got up and walked, she said she didn't feel any pain in her hips. So God had already done the healing. Through Matt, he was activating Zoe's faith to walk in the healing. And it was great. So um, I think Daniel wanted to share some more. Uh, praise God, right? First of all, I want to say, don't you love whenever God proves you wrong? It's amazing. <laughs> you know, um, I think one of the correlations that I made with specifically in Acts 3 is how, you know, they say that we don't have any gold or silver. Well, so much of, of my life I've been dependent on, on who is in charge. 
And so <laughs> what, what came to my mind after that was we don't have any gold or silver and we don't have any title. But Jesus, of course, is amazing. And he says, he says, very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask my name. Right? He tells us that, that he, we, we will be given anything that we ask for. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. He says it twice. Obviously, it's unimportant. And, and you know, and, and so as I did decide to go and pray for complete healing of Zoe, uh, one thing that I uh, just was shocked at was literally a shock that was going through my body, and it was, it was going through my, my left arm and, like, into her, into her hand. It was going through my my forearm through my ring finger and and to her hand which was by her hips and I want to say that because God doesn't have a formula in how he heals I'm not going to focus on what happened here I'm going to focus on what he did and and the thing to take away from this is that God will do anything and I we're not up here to say that only in the times that, that he heals, but also in the times that he comes through, and that is whenever he works in our hearts. Anytime we pray for healing, if we have the faith that he will heal, he will work in our hearts, and he will build our faith. And, you know, and, and really, you know, I, 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 saw, I saw Matt, I locked eyes with him, because his, his eyes are, uh, anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, sorry, I got distracted. Um, Anyway, so I, I looked at him, and I was just shaking my head, and in my head, I was like, just take her hand. Like, it, w- it clicked for me. I was like, she is healed. She's going to walk. I know it in my brain. Let's do it. And he just, you know, he listened to God, and as, as she, was, <laughs> she was walking around, you know, everyone was like, yes, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And then me and Matt were like, Matt were like let's go pray for more people. Like, let's do it. And so, um, but... Don't question God. <laughs> he will do anything that you ask for. Yeah. Guys, I think we're out of time. So we'll, we'll close up here. Uh, if, you, if you do have prayer needs tonight, um, small group leaders, would you raise your hands? These are our small group leaders. We're going to um, just grab them, and they'll be glad to pray for you, or I'll be glad to pray for you too. Guys, let's stand up, and let's just close in prayer. Father, thank you for the, the, the truth that you're still healing people's today, people's lives today, people's lives, their bodies, their hearts, and we're just asking for total healing in every life here tonight, that the people that are uh, involved here at the Cornerstone would find life in you, life in you, in you on a spiritual level and life in you through your body here. And so well, thank you for the things that, you, that you've taught us tonight. Would you help us to walk those out? And, and guys, I just want to ask you, what is, before we close, what is it that God's speaking to you tonight? And what are you going to do about it? What is, it's, it's, not, it's not enough to come and listen to a, a message about something that happened long ago. What is God calling you to tonight? And Father, would you help all of us to walk out the thing that you're telling us to do? That we'd walk in obedience to you because we love you. And would you teach us to love you more? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, we're dismissed.